Hey everyone, I'm Gracie. Welcome to the Grace of Military Child podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us to the leaders we are today. Keep listening to hear the incredible journey this week's guest has been on. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, Gracie. Thank you for having me. Yes, awesome. I'm super excited to have you on and hear more about your experiences as a military child and what you're doing now. I can't wait. So what kind of questions do you have, my dear? That sounds like an old lady. (laughs) (laughs) I am, though, compared to you because you're so young and so adorable. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Well, tell me a little bit about your dad who served and his branch and his experience kind of in the military. Sure. So my dad um, served with the Marines. Um, He was actually drafted to the Army out of college and said, "Mm, maybe not the right path for me. So he joined the Marines and he put in 30 years. He ended up going to officer candidate school after college and becoming an officer and ended up as an 06, 06, which is a colonel. And his duty stations took us everywhere from Hawaii to Washington, D.C., to the Pentagon, to, you know, Quantico, um, uh, North Carolina, Japan, um, you name it. From like that whole Marine base areas, those areas, we went to a couple places a couple of times. Uh, I think just because he really loved certain areas or maybe certain areas improved his um, his track. He went to Air War College. He was attached mostly to a lot of air bases, actually, just because I can't ex- exactly tell you what his MOS is because I can't remember because every time he tells me, I'm like, huh? <laughs> right. But my mom would often tell me and a, a lot of ladies liked a lot of wives officers, wives like to wear the ranks on their shoulders. And I'm sorry, my dad is the one with the rank. The kids and the wives, we're here as dependents and we do what we can to support him. Mm -hmm. We don't carry that rank and we certainly haven't done anything to earn that rank. And so my mom tells a funny story. She said, you know, you know, there'd be a lot of parties where the wives would sit around and go, oh, well, my husband is a pilot or my husband would do this. What does your husband do? And she would be like, yeah, my husband tells your husband where to go. So, um, you know, she just kind of nipped it in the bud and would walk and talk to somebody who was a little more real than, you know, who, who wanted to talk about whose husband was better. That's just not the way I was raised. And um, my dad made it very clear that we served in our own right. Um, he certainly made us feel like we were a part of it, but we never wore his rank. He was a really solid Marine. And what I love about him is that he was the kind of Marine that would get in the trenches with his men and not stand over it and order them what to do. And so Mm -hmm. I learned the work, work ethic from him that I have now, which is just work harder than the people that are working for you ever expect you to do so that you can inspire them and lead them in ways that they want to follow you. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's my dad. Yeah. I think, you know, as leaders, uh, you know, which your dad was a leader, like as leaders, you have to be able to complete a task if you're asking someone else to complete a task. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not willing to complete that special task or whatever it may be, then why are you going to ask someone else to do it? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you kind of got to know your stuff if you're going to complete that task too. So you got to do the hard work that that it takes in order to um, do the work. And he, he worked his little hiney off. Um, he's still living. Thank the good Lord. Um, he, he went to Vietnam and has served in, in different 
um, ways that was highly classified that I cannot talk about that I probably don't know about, but I might have overheard a tidbit or, tidbit or two during my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, but he amazes me. He amazes me in all the ways that he has helped develop certain things within our American culture. Yeah. And it's so it's so cool to hear about, you know, different generations talking about, you know, the military experiences and how much, you know, the military has changed and even in some ways improved, you know, over the past, you know, mm-hmm. few decades even. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's the answer. I know it was a long-winded one, but I love my, <laughs> and I love my Marine. Yes, for sure. What was it like you know, moving all over, moving to different countries, you know, experiencing different cultures, even different cultures within the United States. I loved it. My sister would tell you something different. I think my sister, looking back, hindsight, 2020 hindsight, would say, I wished I had invested more and appreciated it more. Whereas I'm the baby of the family and I'm like, hey, let's go. We're going. Let's go. And so, yes, saying goodbye is hard to the friends that you made. Mm-hmm. But man, saying hello to the new experiences and the new cultures and the new foods and the new, just the new you that you get to have. Because if you didn't make it the way you should here and you want to say, you know what, I wish I had a do-over, you get a do-over. I mean, how amazing is that? And yeah. You know, maybe you get a do-over from a culture that comes into another culture that they're like, you're from where? Oh, how cool. I mean, it's kind of one of those um, things where, again, kind of like my dad, you delve in and you do the work and you learn about the culture, especially in Japan. You, I learned the language. I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to immerse myself into it because I knew that that would be the best way, A, to earn respect of the locals around me, B, to truly appreciate the history of the area of the area around me. And see, carry something with me that no one else would back home. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think, you know, you have to really live in the moment. You can't mm-hmm. like, you know, stress about your next move or your previous move saying, you know, I miss my friends. I miss, you know, I miss this, you know, specific restaurant or store. <laughs> like, you know, even things like that, you have to be able to live in the moment. And I think that's one thing that, I had trouble with as well, you know, just moving. And even the two times I've moved, like it's still hard. Two times, Gracie. Exactly. And it's still hard leaving friends, leaving family, leaving, you know, whatever you may be leaving. Exactly. Yes. You know, and and you have it harder than I did because I didn't have social media saying, oh, look, there's Instagram and my best friend is going out with this person now and I'm not there and they're having fun. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have any of that. I just had like actually handwritten notes that would come to me. It would take weeks to get to me to an FPO address overseas right. or a few days, maybe a full week to Hawaii or to DC or wherever I was, you know, wherever we were moving at that time. And so I didn't have the fear of missing out syndrome that a lot of these kids do now. Yeah, and even, like, you know, just talking to people, like, whether that be, like, a FaceTime or a phone call, it's, like, you know, you have all these cool experiences. Or even watching, you know, social media, the news or things like that and saying, like, oh, this is happening, you know, where I was. Like, Mm -hmm. um, for example, we are huge basketball fans um you know since living in texas we were san antonio spurs fans we're from cleveland ohio everyone's like you should be cavaliers fans and we're like no like <laughs> we do not like the cavaliers um but we're san antonio spurs fans 
And we moved in May of 2014 to Florida. And June of 2014, the Spurs won the NBA championship. Yes. And we're like, we could have been there. And so, like, we're seeing all the parades happen, all the celebrations. And we're like, we were literally just there last month. (laughs) And we're seeing them win now. Like, this is so awesome that they're winning. But we really wish we were there. Yeah, that's your payoff, right? You've invested all the time and the tickets and the you know mm-hmm. the time, the airtime, and then you're like, I can't even celebrate. I know. We did celebrate by going to Dairy Queen and getting a cake. And there you go. they played the Miami Heat. So being in Florida, you know, Miami Heat is everywhere at the time. And um we went to Dairy Queen, got a cake, and I my parents remember exactly what we had it say, but I think it was like Miami Heat sucks like ghost spurs or something like that. (laughs) And they hated us for writing that on there. But we were like, oh, well, like. (laughs) We're paying for it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But those moments of, you know, missing out and fear of missing out, it's so hard. You know, whether it's a big moment or a small moment, it's hard to look back and say, I missed that. Or, you know, but in the end, it's like you missed it for a reason, and there's something so much better that you get to take take part in. Good for you, Miss Gracie. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, and the friends that you leave behind are missing you going, man, she moved where? Like, man, I wish exactly. I could go. That's so cool. There's, the grass is always greener, right? Exactly. That's and, the moment. you know, live, live, moving to Florida, everyone's like, are by the beach now. <laughs> like we're not right? big beach people, but everyone's like, you're Ooh, by the beach now. Like <laughs> no, <I'll be> that. <laughs> yes. But you know, it's you give and take. And you know, we're like, if you want to be by the beach, you can come visit us. Like it's That's just true. how it is. So <laughs> Yeah, I was raised on an island or a coast most everywhere we live. And so the ocean is my home, no matter where we go. It's yeah. Like if we take a road trip with my family now, I'm like, we will drive five hours to get to a beach. <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> You're very accustomed to living in, you know, the beach life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very much so. What is it like, you know, going from Japan or even Hawaii and then moving back to the United States, moving back, you know, to the lower 48 and being like, okay, well, you know, I miss that or I miss this or, you know, things like that. What is that transition back like? Well, in 1990, when I moved to Oklahoma, it wasn't like it is now. I love Oklahoma. Let me just say that. That's upfront. I love Oklahoma. And if I were going to choose anywhere to live, if I had to be landlocked without a beach, it would be Oklahoma. But when I was 18 and I moved to Oklahoma, where I lived in a very casual beach vibe environment. And I go to a very conservative Christian university where dancing wasn't allowed. The movie Footloose was much like my college. Um, And that movie was made about a town in Oklahoma. Um, So you can imagine that's kind of how Oklahoma was back then. Um, And I wasn't used to the big jeans and the big belt buckles and the big hair, not the big jeans, but like the the Western jeans with the big boots. Right. Um, 
and the people that didn't understand me because I talked so fast and I talked fast normally, but I talked even faster back then because I had learned Japanese and um, I had spoken the language and I don't remember a lot now, but it's a more clipped, fast paced uh, language. And so I came here and everyone was like, you're not from here, are you? And I'm like, really? <laughs> Thank How you for making you me feel so welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was a definite culture shock. And um, it was completely different than anything I had ever experienced because A, that was when I was in college and I wasn't on a military base. I didn't get to go to the PX. I didn't get to go, you know, to the military doctor. I had to start figuring things out on my own as an adult. And I didn't have my parents really to sort through me, sort that through with me because they were still in Japan and they wouldn't ship me home. I say ship me home. They wouldn't bring me home, but once a year. And so I didn't get to go home for Christmas. I didn't get to home, get home for Thanksgiving break. I didn't get to go home, but summer break. And so for an entire year, I'm stranded from my parents in an environment. And thankfully I had family near my, nearby. My dad was like, if you're going to go to college, you're going to Oklahoma because that's where he and my mom were from. And he wanted me near grandparents and cousins. And my sister was married and already living in the area. So thankfully I had family. So the transition wasn't as bad, but man, I felt cut off. That's the best way I can explain it. I felt very cut off and it weren't for the smaller university that I went to. I went to Southern Nazarene university, which is Back then, it was different than it is now. I think it's a lot more evolved now. But back then, it was very strict. Like, you couldn't wear shorts on campus. You couldn't go dancing. I understand not drinking because it's a Christian university. But I had grown up at one of the youth bases on, you know, the youth clubs dancing every night at the club, you know, on base with all my, you know, with all my friends because the military put things in like that to keep us from going to bars. They're, they're like, let's put a dance club in for the kids. Okay, cool. Right. So he told that I can't dance. I can't wear shorts. When all I had in my wardrobe was shorts and flip-flops, it just, wow, it was. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. So. And, you know, leaving your family is a whole other thing. Like, you know, for us, the military made us so much closer and close knit of a family than, you know, we would have been if we were a civilian family. And so I see that in a lot of military families that they're just so much closer together. And then literally moving, you know, almost to the other side of the world without your family with a culture shock. It's a huge change. You know, the one thing that my parents found every time we went to a new base was a church. So, Mm that became our family away from home was our church family. And so it, it gave me a reason to go, okay, now I'm at school and I do have some family here, but you know, who, who can, who can I reach out to that's like me and is like-minded. And thankfully I was at a Christian university to where I found some friends that were a little more wild, like I was, cause you know, colonel's kids and pastor's kids, preacher's kids are notorious <laughs> for telling. And so I hung out yes. with all the preacher's kids. Um, but we had that, faithful biblical foundation we just had never been able to be you know as wild as we could until we went to college so in that way I found my my people just like I had my people every time we moved to a new base right but um if I hadn't been for my girls at SNU which Anissa Whitney and Kim if you're out there thank the good lord for you because I wouldn't have survived and if I hadn't had my grandparents and some family members going hey Have are you have you eaten? Do you need laundry? Like it would have been really hard. Yeah, it's definitely hard moving and making friends to begin with. And Mm -hmm. then 
just everything compiles up and you're like, okay, this is, you know, kind of hard, harder than I thought it was going to be. And, you know, the military teaches you as you move and every time you move, you have to break your shell. Um, if you are, you know, so shy and whatever, you cannot be in the military life. You're not going to find friends that easily. And you have to be able to take that first step in finding friends and finding relationships that not many people are willing to take. I remember the first day of college, Beacons Movers actually moved my stuff to the dorm. And I was the only one on campus that had professional movers moving like an entire truck. Like it was like probably four boxes, but it was on a big truck, right? Yeah. And everyone was like, what's with the moving truck? Who's this girl? So it automatically <laughs> made me like, well, we got to meet the person that had the moving truck on campus. So, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Memories. And, that came back to me just now. Yeah. And see, like those experiences are like something that stand out. And, you know, again, military gives you these, you know, wild experiences that you wouldn't have, you know, if you were, again, a civilian family, you know, your parents were probably have been the ones moving you into the dorm and, mm -hmm. you know, with cars full of boxes and bags and mm -hmm. whatever else, you know, and moving in. Mm -hmm. Nope, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, now you have like that story to tell though. And it's yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. We moved my son into the dorm this last first for the first time as a freshman. And I got to pack my car up and I got to do the college campus tour two thing too. Because overseas, I can't go visit colleges. You know, right. you know that I didn't get to do that. So I got to experience college from a civilian point of view for the first time this last summer and fall. And that was kind of cool too, because I was like, all right, now this is like, this is what normal feels like. <laughs> you missed right? out on those experiences yourself. So you have to kind of live vicariously through, mm -hmm. you know, your children of figuring out how those experiences would have actually mm -hmm. felt if you had that opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. What kind of experiences stick out from you know, your military child life, your brat life, like what kind of experiences do you have that are different than, you know, what a civilian would have? You know, the, the big key word nowadays is diversity, mm -hmm. right? Everyone's like, oh, everything, you, you embrace diversity. Well, to me, that's not a new thing. That's how I was raised. And so to go from place to place to place, and most of my classmates didn't look like me, that's normal for me. And, yeah. and I teach at a, at a university, I teach at OU here. And the big thing, the key word there is diversity. We have to talk about it in the syllabus and, and that's just my heart, man. And so I, I talk about this a lot. The first day of school, it's like, you know, as a brat, as a military brat, I grew up embracing people's differences and I do see different skin colors in a room, but I love that everybody's different because we all can learn from one another. And the one thing we all have in common is the heart inside our chest and the blood that beats within our veins. Mm -hmm. And we embrace change and we embrace different because we learn from it and we can be better people from it. And I can be a better person if I don't hang out with people that look like me. Um, and I was, I think, a better person as a brat because I learned about different foods and different backgrounds and different cultures within the American-based system, no matter where we lived. I mean, I had locals that, you know, there were locals that that paid to have their kids go to an American DOD school. So we had a lot of Japanese students there too. And so I think that's what makes my my brat experience different is that I don't have the keyword diversity as a trend or a thing or things we have to start 
promoting or prop being part of propaganda. It's, it's who I am. And, um, I just love people. I have friends who have good hearts and I think I've raised my kid right. When we go to like an event at school and it's one of those first of the week, you know, you're going to come to the school. Here's what to expect thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like the month before school. And my son saw somebody's shirt, you know, cause when he was little, I started, I started really early with, we love one another and people. And when he was little, he was, you know, in Sunday school, I'm kind of backtracking to get to the story. He was coloring on a sheet and he, he kind of stopped and looked at this girl and she was Indian next to her and she had a really dark skin. He was like, mom, why is her skin darker than mine? I said, because that's the way God made her. Isn't she beautiful? I said, you should tell her how beautiful she is because that's how God made her just like God made you the way you are. And he was like, oh yeah, she really is pretty mom. So she's not pretty. I mean, she is pretty, not the Indian girl is pretty, right? She's pretty. Yeah. And so yeah. fast forward to this college event and he was like, Hey mom, did you check that guy's shirt out up, up there? That was a really cool shirt. And I'm like, I'm looking around. There's like tons of guys and shirts. I'm like, <laughs> well, which guy? And I'm like, and there's actually one athlete that's in the room that's African-American, right? And he was like, the guy in the red shirt. Well, that was the guy in the red shirt who was African-American. And he didn't say the black boy up front. He said the guy in the red shirt because he's a he's a guy in my son's eyes. And I'm like, oh, you know, I've raised my kid right when he doesn't have to put a label on something. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we don't appreciate everyone for what they look like, but we just look at them as human beings. And so I'm glad that my kid is following in those footsteps. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think one thing, you know, especially doing those overseas moves that you had, it's you are so culturally rounded that you're just able to be so accepting of cultures and different different people, different atmospheres. And, you know, you're able to now pass those on to your child and, you know, that that's generations and generations and generations that, you know, hopefully that goes on for. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that the military does, and I notice a lot, and I always say, um, what values that we instill in our service members, we instill in the family, we instill in like, you know, the grandkids, the great carrying kids, mm-hmm. it just trickles down. It is, it really is. And that's the legacy I want to leave is love you know, mm-hmm. and, and hard work and ambition, you know, don't be afraid. I, I think brats too. Um, and that's why I wanted to make this movie that we'll get to in a little bit. We're not afraid. I mean, we, we, we've stepped outside our comfort zone so many times that there is no box for us to be in or out. We're just everywhere. And we're doing things in ways that just, we, we don't know the word. No, we just know, keep trying until it happens. And yeah. if it doesn't happen, wasn't meant to be, but that doesn't keep us from trying. And that's another legacy I'm leaving for my kid. I told you before we started this podcast, he had ridden a horse once in his life and he was pretty decent in the saddle, but I never would have imagined that two years ago, he rides a horse for the first time. And now he goes and tries out for an, you know, equine program, the equine team, the equestrian team rather. And he's on their show team, like after riding a horse once, and he's bypassing other students that were like, I've been trying for that spot for two years. And because he doesn't know the word, you know, you can't do that. He doesn't know that thought process. He just knows I'm going to try. Yeah. And I think, you know, growing up in a military family, it's that you don't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. You know, you always try, 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 try. And like you just said, if it doesn't happen, then it's not meant to be, you know, it just such hard workers that, you know, again, going back to the work, work ethic, that 
we're just going to make something happen. Like no matter how much work it takes, no matter how hard something may be, it's going to happen. And, you know, that's the bottom line. Amen, sister. Yes. It is such, you know, a different lifestyle that many don't get to live, but it's such a special lifestyle that, you know, everyone should know about. That's my plan, Miss Gracie. <laughs> I'm planning on, I'm plan on we're, we're fundraising for a film right now called Brat Ambition. And you can go to bratlegacyfilms.com. You also can go to Indiegogo and type in a search, the search box, Brat Ambition. And so the actual um, project will pop up on there. And our goal is to just showcase brats in a light that hasn't been shown before because there have been so many filmmakers in the past that have done a project that either focused on brat life or just kind of had some brat life in it or, you know, um, just had an agenda when it came to military dependence. And, you know, even the great Santini, you look at that movie and it's all about the drill sergeant father and the domestic abuse. And, and I'm not saying that there isn't that father out there, but that father is also in the civilian lifestyle. So that's not the umbrella that encompasses the American military family. It's just some American military families. And there's still like you and I were talking about some positives of that full spectrum from, you know, this kernel, not kernel, C-O-L, but C-E-R-N-E-L, this kernel of truth to this kernel of truth. We have so many walks of life within the military brat environment. And there's so many positive stories that don't get showcased because people have such a selective view or Mm a, um, just an agenda that they want to paint, you know, and, and so that's myself. Um, I'm directing my executive producers. One is John Schwab. He recently started in the Queens Gambit. I don't know if you've seen that on, um, Netflix yet. He was a brat with me at Kubasaki High School in Okinawa. And then Brad Heath, who was producing the Kaimichi Project, which we'll be releasing soon. And so the three of us were like, you know what? We're doing this. We're doing this because nobody has done it before. There's nothing like it in the marketplace. And But we need, we're not Hollywood deep pockets. So we need grassroots efforts and we need corporate sponsors. sponsors. So the donations at Indiegogo start at $10 and you get cool perks for each donation level. Um, we just started putting it on Indiegogo September 29th. And after one night, we raised $3,700, which isn't a lot, but I was excited. I'm like, after one day, we get almost four grand. Woohoo! Yeah. I mean, even, you know, at that point, every penny adds up, every dollar adds up. And so someone giving $10 or someone giving, you know, a couple grand or, you know, a couple hundred or whatever that may be, mm-hmm. everything adds up. Everything supports the mission and supports the purpose of what you guys are doing. Yeah, it's our heart. We are extremely passionate about making sure that the civilian world and the American culture understands what brat life is really about. Yeah, it's so important to, you know, get rid of the tunnel vision, get rid of the blinders and Mm -hmm. say, this is the true life. Like, yes, there are some hard times. Yes, there are some, you know, times where it's you just want to cry or, you know, you just want to break down. And then there are times that it's like you just need to celebrate you need to be happy like you know back to living in the moment of you know this is really my life this is what this is what you get to do this is what I get to do right yes like you don't choose the military life the military life chooses you right and it takes a special person to you know stand beside the service member or to actually be a service member and Mm -hmm. it takes just a special family to to live this life. 
I agree. Yes. Um, what else are you doing? Like you have so many projects going on. So what um, kind of are you doing? So I'm also an author. So this is my ninth book. Kimberly oh, wow. Kimberly McKay. I'm a paranormal romantic suspense author. And so while I'm a clean writer, I don't do a lot of TNA because I don't think you have to push something into someone's face to make something sell. So I'm a clean writer, but I have a little bit of spice. There's always some sexual tension or chemistry, but nobody ever really does the deed. Um, there's never any graphic words or um, visuals, word pictures in your face. But you'll have page turning moments where you're like, what happens next? And with this book, particularly, you don't see the end coming whatsoever. I've had people read me or write me going, I never knew it was so and so what happened. I'm like, (laughs) that's, that's the whole point. You're not supposed to have a foregone conclusion on the end. Now, some of my books there are, it's just the way I get them there is still into entertaining. But with this book in particular, I'm really excited about it because it's one of my favorites. And of course, Kindle has a new program called the Vela program. Have you heard about Vela yet? I have not. Okay. So Vela is think Netflix for readers or Wattpad, you know, Wattpad. So Vela is you pay per episode. And so, you know, I'm doing my first sci-fi fantasy on that just because I wanted to try a new genre, but the first three episodes are free and then you get to kind of pay coins for other episodes. And so writing is a passion. I've been doing it since I was, you know, able to pick up a pen and put syntax on a page. No one could read it, but in my head, I knew the whole dramatic. <laughs> you knew what you were um, saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, between that and the film, um, you know, I'm teaching a media creative writing, a media broadcast writing class at OU. I also have a full-time job outside of that. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Um, I'm sure there's something else I'm forgetting. My husband and I have a marketing consulting on the side. We help with video production and logos and advertising and things like that. So wow. that's about it. Not not much. Not much, but you got a full plate. <laughs> yeah. But again, I think that's because of my background, like I constant agree. change. I need that because if I don't, I go stir crazy. I've been in this house for five years and I'm already like, okay, what can I change? Can I do something to the walls? Can I, can I do something to the outside? Can we move the furniture around? Like I constantly need something new. And that's almost a detriment to the lifestyle because I'm not that kind of person that can do 20, 20 years in one place. I just can't. Mm-hmm. So I've got to have that constant moment, momentum or a, a full-time job that constantly changes within. Yeah. You know. So Sorry, that was a long, long answer. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. Um, how frequently did you and your family move? Every, on average, every three years. It was um, between two and four years, but sometimes it was back to the same place, which was kind of cool because, you know, go to Hawaii, come back to Hawaii. It feels like home. Uh, I think I spent, the most time I spent was in Hawaii. Um, I, we lived in Kailua, Kaneohe, and Honolulu, all three. Um, we also went twice to Virginia. So he was at the Pentagon and at Quantico. And so, I mean, again, we had multiple moves, but sometimes it was to the same place, which was kind of cool. And then when my dad was unaccompanied, we w- would always come back to Oklahoma and stay a year. So yeah, it was kind of two being around family. I think when I was three and when I was in seventh grade, we came back to Oklahoma for a little bit. Yeah. So you constantly always had that scenery change, you know, every couple of years, And, you know, that's, again, something, you know, going back to the military instills this change in military kids. And it's like, you can't stay put for long. Like We are, you know, accustomed not to plant roots Mm -hmm. and, you know, plant roots and, you know, be where you are. But 
be able to pack right up and move on to the next duty station at the drop of a dime. Like, you're not there. You're not there long. You got to be able to pack up and move whenever, you know, the military says so. And when it comes to that point, you're like, okay, I'm out. See you later. And we're expert packers. You know that firsthand, right? Because we have the whole tuck and fold thing and all the, you know, all of it. Yes, you have to know how to pack. Mm -hmm. Yes, we just um, recently did a TV show and we had to pack up our entire house and (laughs) move it out. And when we moved here, my parents were like, we are never moving again. (laughs) never moving again if we move we are selling the house selling everything with it and we are out like we will Mm -hmm. buy new we'll start fresh and then when this opportunity came we're like we have to pack up our whole house again don't we (laughs) (laughs) and so while we moved back to the same house you know it was still that whole moving process and you know in the military you kind of have the movers to help you move Mm -hmm. and so Me and my sister never did the moves. We never moved. My mom flew to Ohio with a friend by herself. My dad and my sister and I stayed in Texas when we did the Ohio to Texas move. And then Texture and I were at school. I came home and my room was packed up. So it's like I never did the move. And so when this time came up, I was like, okay, I actually get to pack my room. I'm kind of excited for once. You just triggered a memory for me. I was probably five years old and we were moving. No, I was three years old. We were moving from North Carolina to Hawaii. And I was, I watched the Packers every time because whenever we PCS, we just, we waited for the truck. We, my mom was always very organized. She had her little chart yes. and she was like, okay, this, we got to put this on the outside of the box. We got She organized everything. And that, that way they'd pack it in a certain way. Um, and that way, you know, when, when it was come, time come to unpack, they knew which rooms to go to, right? And so I just was enthralled with how they were doing the paper mm-hmm. and packing. And I remember the packing, one of the guys at B, Be- it was Beacons, I think. He was like, hey, little girl. He was like, hey, little thing, how are you? You want to learn how to do this? And so he actually taught Aww. me, play something on the paper, put it over, tuck, tuck, roll, 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 tuck, tuck, roll, yeah. roll, roll, right? And so I had forgotten about that. And my job when we unpacked was to stand in a tall wardrobe box. My mom would unpack stuff, put it in the cabinet for the kitchen because the kitchen is the first thing you unpack. And then she'd throw the paper to me and I'd stand <laughs> in the box and I'd crush it down. And I'd paper cuts oh, on the soles of my yeah. feet because I would just stand there and like crush paper for like hours on end. But I thought that was the most fun yeah. thing ever. And, you know, Holy the paper fire. cuts, yeah. you know, it's like they'll heal. But, you know, having that experience <laughs> yeah. and you know, that's one thing I love you know, about the podcast is, you know, being able to trigger those memories that, you know, you probably wouldn't have even mm-hmm. thought of, you know, again, mm-hmm. going back to uh, the movie theater, like she wouldn't have remembered that. Like, she's like, I totally exactly. forgot about that, you know? And so just those little things are just so, they're so such special moments, but you really have to think about them and really have a conversation with someone to actually remember them. That's true. It's very, very true. Yeah. And it's those those little things that make a huge difference or, you know, in your case, like that was such a fun little moment, you know, living in the moment and, you know, having that experience and, you know, <laughs> remembering moving, how to move, how to pack, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's always fun. It, uh, it makes me want to move right now. So thank you for that. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> it's so hard not moving and so hard, you know, to stay in one place. Like um, we're coming up on eight years living here. And so we're about uh, tied to our Ohio because I lived there for nine years. So about split between Ohio and here, um, a couple of years in Texas. But, you know, it's, it's hard to stay put in one location. And that's one thing, um, yeah. you know, traveling like that's a huge thing. Um, within the military families and community that, you know, families just travel all over the place to kind of, you know, fill that void. You know, it's funny because you can always spot a military family yes. too. And so we were at um, a restaurant. So Okinawa is where I have some of my lifelong friends. And so we do reunions every five years in different places, central, and we were going to have one the year COVID broke out, but We've been putting it off. So this will be the third time we've rescheduled and we're going to have it in Nashville um, this summer in July. And so, but in between these reunions, we always have like wherever any of our Okinawa, we call them Oki brats. Um, when, any, when any of our dragon alumni are traveling, Facebook has been a great connector, by the way. We always just put on our little Okinawa page, you know, who lives in Texas or who lives in where. And so if it's one of our friends, we're like, hey, I'm here. Um, and so a friend of mine came through and he texted me and he's like, I'm going to be in Oklahoma but I've got some of my guys with me. It's because he was a CEO of a squadron. And so some of his guys that worked under him were going to come to breakfast with him. And I was waiting on my friend, Tim, and I'm waiting and waiting. And I see this guy like, it's like John Cena on steroids <laughs> and you can't, right. And so, and I'm in Oklahoma. So, you know, you don't see a lot of that and he's got the, you know, the high and tight and I'm going, yeah, that's probably one of Tim's friends. And so he's walking around kind of looking like he doesn't know where I am because he doesn't see Tim here yet. So I walk out to the front of the restaurant and I go, hey, are you military? And his wife was with him and she was very clean cut and put together. And I'm not saying those kind of people aren't in Oklahoma, but you can just tell between a civilian clean cut family and a military mm -hmm. one. And she goes, well, how do you know? I'm like, oh, I know. I said, I'm Tim's friend. I'm waiting. Oh, okay. We were inside looking for you. I'm like, yeah, I kind of figured. Well, how did you know? I'm like, I just know. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Sticking out. No, not very well. Oh. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things my dad went overseas. He was like, you need to know some things. If you're going to be, you know, off base at all, you need to like certain things you've got to be aware of. If you walk in a room, always mm -hmm. know your exits, always stick with your back, back of the door. And if somebody's watching you longer than they should, then there's a reason for it. And you watch them and you make sure you have an exit strategy, like always have an, and if you need to find something as a weapon, you figure out in the room what can be used as a weapon always because um, even though Okinawa, there's not a lot of crime in that area. It's not crime that's reported. People did go missing and things did happen and, you know, stuff yeah. happens. So, um, that's one reason why, because these military brats and military uh, personnel do stand out, he had to go through some self-defense moves with me and make sure that my head was in the mm -hmm. game. Right. Anyone's following you longer in a car than they should take an alternate right. route. Those types. I things. think those are things that. You know, the entire world should just be aware of and to be on alert more or less. Um, but, you know, being in the military, you know, your parents tell you, like, you have to always be alert. You have to always be on the watch out. 
um, you know, in some places are more dangerous than other places, even though they might not seem dangerous, they really can mm-hmm. be. And so going through those those steps, it may seem like hard and uh, whatever, but it becomes second nature. And, you know, even now that I'm an mm-hmm. adult, it's like, okay, I'm still, you know, aware of my surroundings. Like, you still have that's to good. be, and that's something that you learn along the way of a military life. That's good. I'm really glad that you are aware of that. A lot of, especially a lot of young people your age, they just, they don't have that life experience. And so they've come from these small towns and they're like, hey, I'm going to college and life is great. And everything's supposed to be where they, they, their town is the only thing they've experienced. So they don't understand that out there, people are different and they will take advantage. And if you look vulnerable, or if you're not paying attention to your surroundings, stuff can happen. So I'm, I've probably beaten my kid over the head with stuff more than I should. Cause now he just is like, Oh, there goes my mom again. But <laughs> hopefully if he ever needs that piece of wisdom or that gem yeah. of wisdom in a time of, you know, crunch time, it'll come back to him and he'll be like, okay, I know what to do. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. And so important to just, just be aware, just know your surroundings, know, you know, know your exits, um, you know, and especially after my dad's injuries and stuff, it's the, mm-hmm. he always picks the first seat when we sit down at a restaurant. Like he has to, right. if there's a corner, he sits in the corner. <laughs> like he knows his surroundings. He's always on yeah. the watch. Like it's, it's just something that's been instilled in him, you know, Good. from yeah. not only the military, but from the experience that he's had with his injuries. And it's so it's learning as a child and especially at such a young age, it was, okay, where are you going to sit <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. And now we kind of, we walk into a restaurant, we know exactly which seat he's going to pick and we all sit down and it's not as like, okay, let, let's take a minute and examine this whole thing. Um, you know, it's just second nature now. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So the last question I always ask is what um, piece of advice would you give to another military child? Current, about your age or younger in that genre or that uh, era, rather? Anyone. Any. Um, just know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Like, we understand when our parent comes home and the look on their face, we probably know they've gotten orders. Just mm-hmm. know that there's some good coming and to to focus on the positives because the negatives can beat you down. And so even if you have to get out a piece of paper and write down the pros and cons and focus on the pros to get you through the blessings. I mean, one of the things I've coined is, you know, um, there are blessings in the chaos of life. There are always blessings and always good things to focus on when times are getting tough, whether it's your dad's gone through an accident. Well, you know, he's home with you now and you get to spend more time with him now. So, you know, trying to focus on or finding that positive is really how you're going to get through the day sometimes. Yeah, I totally agree. And we've done that so many times as a family now. And embrace your surroundings, just like you said, you know, live in the moment, find something exciting to be excited about. If you can't get excited about where you're going, 
you can find something, one thing about that area and go, you know what? I don't like where I'm going, but this one thing looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Whether big or small, yeah. even if it's just that your family is with you, like mm-hmm. you'll end up figuring something out and finding something you love about your area that you're in. And if you don't love it, you're probably only there for a couple of years and then you'll be moving again. That's right. And you still can learn from the experience. It might That experience might help you where you're going next. Exactly. So that might be the only positive you have. Yes, for sure. Where can listeners find you, find what you're doing, your projects? KimberlyMcKayAuthor.com is my main site. Um, a pop-up will pop up saying, join our newsletter. If you don't want to join the newsletter, just click X, and then you can actually browse through the site, Brat Legacy Films, B-R-A-T-L-E-G-A-C-Y Films.com is also a good place to learn about the project for Brat Ambition. Um, you know, Twitter, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, I'm out there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on and sharing your story and your experiences. Gracie, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure getting to know you. And I'm just honored to to have this conversation and get to know you a little bit better. Yes, same to you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Grace of Military Child podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe, review, and comment. You can also follow us at Grace of a Military Child podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more podcast-related content. If you or someone you know is a military child who would like to be on the podcast, please send us a message to one of our social media platforms, or you can send an email to grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. Tune in next Thursday to hear another incredible journey.